Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for June 27th, 2017, and we're already getting into the summer months, so we're actually halfway through the baseball season already. It has gone pretty quick. Uh, We've got a pretty decent slate to look forward to for Wednesday. Uh, A couple things before we get into that. One thing that I really thought was an interesting story was Austin Rivers of the Clippers got traded to the Wizards for Marcin Gortat. Now, the reason that's significant is because Austin Rivers' dad is Doc Rivers. So I don't think Austin Rivers is quite as bad of a basketball player as a lot of people seem to think he is. But the one issue I've already I've always had with Austin Rivers is that his dad plays him like 40 minutes per game, and he plays minutes over way superior players like Lou Williams. So the issue I have with Austin Rivers is not necessarily – the quality of him as a basketball player, it's the quality of players that he's been getting minutes over. So it'll be interesting what his role ends up being with Washington. And the other thing I think that's that's weird is, I mean, his dad is not the GM anymore. Now it's Jerry West. But his dad was the general manager at one point and definitely has a, a, a say in the trades and what goes down. So that's a really weird family situation, especially for things like Thanksgiving or something like that. He has to go home to his family knowing his dad traded him. If I have some like weird moment Thanksgiving table where his doc is saying, hey, Austin, can you pass me the potatoes? And he stares at him and says, well, what would you trade him for? And then he throws the peas on the ground or something and yells at his mom to clean them up. Yeah, mom, if you don't clean up the peas, dad's going to trade you for some other shitty housewife. But anyway, I thought that was I thought that was an interesting story just to see number one, just a son who's playing in the NBA for his dad, and then dad basically gets rid of him for Marcin Gortat, is not a particularly good player. Uh, so getting into the slate for Wednesday, one thing that I think makes this a little goofy is there aren't really many high end pitchers I like. We've got the most expensive pitching option here is Madison Bumgarner at eleven thousand two hundred. I have faded Bumgarner for all his starts so far. I've stacked against him for all of his starts so far, which went well. All the starts except for his last one, which, you know, I'm sorry against the Padres. I knew that was a possibility. Uh, definitely would have liked him to not be the highest scoring pitcher on that slate, but that was that was the way that it shuck out. So for this one at 11200 I don't like him against the Rockies. I just think it's too expensive a price. I don't like the Rockies against him either because the Rockies are also super expensive. That's kind of a weird pricing thing where the most expensive pitcher is also going up against some of the most expensive hitters. Usually if the pitcher is expensive, it means the offense are going to be cheap. We've got Bumgarner at 11200 but then we've got like Arenado's 5700 and he is the third most expensive hitter on the slate. So for me, the Rockies are a fade, Bumgarner's a fade, and just kind of hope everybody's average in that spot. The first pitcher that I would say would have interest to me is Robbie Ray at 10,000. The issue is that Ray has missed most of this season with an oblique injury. He was supposed to make a rehab start, except said he felt well enough to come up to the big leagues, so they're letting him pitch in the majors against Miami. Really positive matchup. He's a really big strikeout pitcher with a lot of upside, but in his last minor league start, he only threw 66 pitches. So I kind of doubt that he's full out, allowed to throw his normal 100 or so pitches, but I don't know that for sure. So the way that I'm approaching this the night before as a recommendation is I'm saying if Robbie Ray has a pitch restriction, then you be off him. If he's like at 80 pitches, I think it's tough for him to pay off a 10000 price tag. If he's 100% and saying like, hey, yeah, we're going to let him go 100 plus pitches, then Robbie Ray's fine to roster 10000 I don't think that's the most likely scenario. 
but it's hard to get a read on this the night before and there's no information on it as of now. So I'm going to say that as of Tuesday night, Robbie Ray won't be in my player pool, but that is subject to change once we have more information sometime Wednesday afternoon. So moving down the pitchers, the first guy that I am pretty sure that I will have exposure to is going to be Kyle Gibson at 8,500. Gibson has been really terrible in previous seasons, but he's made big improvements this year. 3.25 ERA, 3.91 FIP. He's striking out about a batter per inning at 8.73 per nine. Walks a decent amount of guys, but a really high strikeout upside matchup against the White Sox. Strike out in 25% of their plate appearances against right-hand pitching. They've also struggled against righties. They weren't too bad to start the year, but as of late, they've been much worse, and they've seen their WRC plus fall to 93, which is 22nd in baseball. So combine that with a strikeout rate, and I like the spot for Kyle Gibson at 8,500. Uh, the next pitcher that stands out to me is Alex Wood at 8,200. So for Wood, I don't think he's a very high upside play, but he's pitched fairly well this year with a 3.33 FIP. He has a 4.13 ERA. When you look at the peripheral stats, looks like he's been a little bit unlucky, striking out 8.37 guys per nine innings, barely any walks at 1.79. So the, the other thing here is we have what looks like a fairly tough matchup against the Cubs, but Chris Bryant went on the DL Tuesday night with a shoulder injury. That means a little bit easier of a matchup for Wood at 8,200, given how well he's pitched looking at his peripherals this year. I think he's worth rostering. The one concern, which I said, is the upside with him. He is striking out a decent amount of guys, but in 15 appearances, in 15 starts this year, only 80 innings pitched. So that's about five and a half innings per start. So the amount of innings he's throwing in the game is a little bit of a concern, which is capping his upside. So I like him at 8,200, but I'm not going to have a massive amount of exposure to him because of some concerns about the upside. The next two guys that I'm looking at actually going up against each other is Ivan Nova and Zach Wheeler. Both of them pretty cheap at 7000 and 6300 How much I like Nova is going to depend on whether Brandon Nimmo is able to play or not. Nimmo's actually been one of the best hitters in the National League this year. He leads the National League in WRC+. He leads the National League in on-base percentage. But he's missed the last couple of games with a finger injury. He went for MRI. They came back negative. He's actually been coming into games as a pinch hitter slash pinch runner. So there's a chance that he starts, but if he's out, then I think Ivan Nova is in a pretty decent spot against what's not a particularly great Mets offense. And then we have Zach Wheeler at 6,300. So Wheeler this year hasn't been like ridiculously good or anything like that, but 6,300 is a really cheap price tag. He's scoring about 14 fantasy points per start. We only need 12.6 from him at this salary from the payoff is price tag and also 8.71 strikeouts per nine innings so there's strikeout upside if you look at his game log he has a lot of good games he has a lot of bad games his last four games 22 negative 2 22 17 and that's he's got a lot of games in in the 20s and then he's got a lot of games where he's scored around 10 fantasy points at this cheap of a price 10 fantasy points wouldn't be a good result but it wouldn't be like a terrible slate breaking result. It's not like your lineup are dead if you only get 10 points from Zach Wheeler. And if you look at the average 14 fantasy points at home in a pitcher's park against just a mediocre Pirates offense, I, I think that he's a really strong value play. So right now, looking at it, the order that I like these pitchers, it is going to be Wheeler one and then Gibson two, Nova three, but I could 
put Nova ahead of Gibson if Nemo's out. And then it would be uh, who was the other? What am I, Alex Alex Wood fourth, and then Robbie Ray. If he was to be have no restrictions on Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray would actually be my favorite pitcher. But like I said before, I don't think that that is the most likely scenario. So moving into the offenses, there's going to be one offense I really like on the slate, and that is the Minnesota Twins against James Shields. Whenever Shields is pitching, that is a primary target for me. The offense going against him. James Shields does not pitch well, and the way that he doesn't pitch well is he gives up a lot of fly balls, he gives up a lot of home runs. In his bad starts, he tends to get hit very hard. The home runs have been a little bit down this year, except creeping up lately. The home run to fly ball rate's now up to 9%, and according to the X stats, which measure exit velocity off the bat and what should be home runs, he actually should have given up a decent amount more home runs than what he's allowed this year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when I looked the other day, I think he was about five home runs under what would be expected of him to give up based on how many hard-hit balls he's allowed. So looking at the Twins' offense, which has some home run upside, I definitely think they're worth rostering against James Shields. Also, a fairly decent hitting environment in Chicago. And then also, if you want to stack the Twins' and have Gibson as a pitcher, there's a little bit of correlation there because if the Twins score a lot of runs, Gibson's more likely to get the win, and that would be a better fantasy output for him. So I think that makes some sense as well. And then one other offense I like, uh, not really a ton of offenses that I like on this slate. Uh, Well, one other thing I'll mention. I think the Red Sox could be pretty chalky after a big game on Tuesday. They scored nine runs. But as we mentioned before, they're much worse against left-handed pitching than they are against right-handed pitching, and they're ridiculously expensive. We've got Mookie Betts is at 6000 J.D. Martinez, 5600 Ben Benintendi's 5000 So just a really expensive offense, and they would have to have just a huge game to stack them to pay off their price tags. And Andrew Heaney's also not that terrible. He's been a pretty solid pitcher this year. He's slightly above average. He's kind of like in between a second and third starter in rotation. I don't really love the Red Sox in that spot. I think that they could have ownership, so I'm just going to hope that they don't go completely nuts tomorrow. Uh, The other offense that I like is, I think there's two, other than Shields, the other really bad pitcher on the slate is Mike Fires, who's pitching against Oakland. So Fires this year, 4.29 ERA, 5.14 FIP, another guy. Fly ball pitcher, just a 39% ground ball rate, but a 14.4% home run to fly ball rate. Balls get hit in the... Ball get hit in the air against him. They get hit hard against him, and they go out of the ballpark. The Oakland A's are a team that hits a lot of home runs. So I think that's the other offense that makes a lot of sense. They're a little bit more expensive than the Twins, but I don't think that's a massive concern, especially because most of the pitchers I like are cheap enough that they still fit in pretty easily. So those are the only two offenses that I'm planning on stacking as of now are the Twins and the A's, and then just those four pitchers. So hopefully the offenses get going because lately I've been picking a lot of good pitchers and haven't gotten the offenses to hit as well as I would have liked over the last couple of slates. But maybe that will change with the Dodgers on Tuesday night. This is going to be the second night in a row where I'm saying, all right, the pitchers all worked out and then hopefully the Dodgers do something because Monday night the Dodgers didn't do anything, but hopefully they do on Tuesday. The other thing too, I couldn't believe how highly owned Freddie Peralta was. Everybody must have been touting Peralta for that slate. I mean, I thought he was a really good play, which is why I recommended him, but he's like 300% owned on DraftKings. Like, everybody rostered him twice at pitcher. 
But that will wrap up the podcast for Wednesday Slate. Follow me on Twitter at GAaronbergDFS, and hopefully everybody has a good night, and I'll be back for Thursday Slate.